You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Today's reading is found in Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you... The heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. The word of the Lord. Thank you. It's been very, very interesting to hear from you throughout this prayer and fasting. A number of you have emailed or, or stopped by or, or called or whatever just to, just to share some of the things that God has been speaking to you. Um, which, by the way, have been some, some very good things. Um, it's amazing how much I am seeing God's hand at work already in Life Church through this prayer and fasting. David gave you a wonderful you know, announcement today uh, where there was a roadblock, and in the midst of prayer and fasting, this is an, an additional benefit. You know, we weren't asking God specifically to, to release uh, Dottam to them, but it was in our prayers already. But as we started to fast and pray, 
the doors opened. And so I, I think David's right. I, I believe that there is something that is tremendous about fasting and praying. It offers a tremendous amount of breakthrough, I think, in people's lives. So I want to encourage you to stick with it. Maybe you're coming back in. This is your first Sunday back after the holidays into the church, and you're going, oh, I haven't really been in on it. I haven't really been doing it. Well, we have another week of it. So would love for you to just pick it up for a week, all right? Just take this last week of the time and uh, and just just run with us for for a week here. Uh, you could do it uh, beyond that. There are several in the congregation here today, and they are fasting beyond our 21 days and going through the whole month of January in a, in quite a uh, an extensive sort of fast. So you could uh, you could extend your fast as well if God so led you to do so. Um, there's not a lot of legalism with this fast at all. Um, this next week's journal sheets are on the table in the back, so you'll want to pick that up as you're going out. This will be your last week. Uh, when you uh, start to look at these, you will notice that the last sheet uh, in this particular group says, my personal synopsis, all right? This is the page that you sort of condense all of what God has been speaking to you in the other pages, and you Put it in here in kind of a synopsis form of this is what I feel like God is saying to, to Life Church. Um, and as we said, if God has spoken something very personal to you about struggling and overcoming sin or, or uh, passion and commitment to God or a diligent prayer life or any of those kinds of things, please include those too. Those are important things because the same kind of struggles you're going through, other people are going through as well. And if God is speaking to you strategies to help empower you or ignite you or help you to overcome in victory, uh, those can be very helpful to other people as well. And that very well may be what God wants Life Church to focus on for a season is all of us overcoming, all of us dealing with issues and, and being prepared to do the work that He's called us to do. So that's an integral part as well. So the synopsis page is very, very important. So we want you at the end, like after next Sunday, that you would fill that out. The, um, the sort of the logistical uh, challenge is going to be getting that to us before the following Saturday. So we would love to have those synopses as, as soon as we possibly can after next Sunday, all right? So if you could either turn them in on Sunday sometime or get them to us. David and I would, would actually be willing to come and get them from you. That's how important we feel they are. Uh, so we would love to have that as soon as possible. Uh, if you're one of those people who's quite wordy um, and you just look at that page and go, there is no way in heaven I'm going to be able to put everything down on that one little piece of paper. We have some white sheets in the back that have the same thing. My personal synopsis at the top of that. You can take uh, one or two extra sheets if you need them so that you can write down all the things that you need to, okay? So you're going to finish out this next week now, uh, finishing on next Sunday, all right? That will be the last day. We're going we're gonna to break the fast after the church service on Sunday. So we're going to fast up until then, all right? Um, and uh, I realize that some of you are not fasting food. Uh, that's really awesome. Some of you, uh, there are people in this church that are fasting television. There are people that are fasting just movies uh, in general. Uh, there are people who are fasting uh, soft furniture or, or a, a nice soft mattress or sleeping on the floor, uh, sitting in, on hard furniture, those kinds of things. Uh, some of you are fasting social media. Um, the, you know, 
it's, it's sort of your call as to how you, what you are giving up, what you are feeling is important to you. Um, but the issue here for us is that we are saying, uh, hey, there are some things that are more important to me right now than my own conveniences or my own comforts or my own preferences or my own desires, all right? Um, and, and we're asking you to experiment with that a little bit and experiment with the whole concept of fasting. There are a few of you who came to me at the initial announcement and said, I don't understand fasting. I don't know what that is. Um, and so uh, we sat down and we talked about that sort of thing. Some of you are very familiar with it and something that's been a practice, a discipline of your life uh, for a long, long time. Uh, and, and that's wonderful too. It isn't an issue of where you are as to how much you can hear God. And that's what I want to emphasize here. Uh, you can hear God even if you you didn't fast, all right? Um, but um, this, this whole fasting aspect of this was for us to say, God, we are going to come before you and we're going to like, get some things out of the way here. So we just are focusing on you and making you the ultimate priority in our lives as we are praying. Um, and, and a real key is that you have quieted yourself in that time. Now, for some of you, you've also shared with me the challenge of your busyness. You're very, very busy. Uh, life is very loud right now. It's very difficult for you to hear God. And you've been fasting and you've been praying. Um, but that's been taking up all of your extra time. And uh, you haven't felt like you've really had a chance to just, just really hear the Lord in this. And so I want to ask you to please consider setting aside a margin of time this week where you can just sit quietly before the Lord. Um, and pick a time that's most conducive for your alertness, all right? If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're an evening person, do it in the evening, all right? Uh, create an atmosphere where it is easiest for you to, to sit aside this, this, this little window of time just to wait on God, just to be still and, and hear God. Um, and uh, allow God to speak to you and try to discern what He is speaking to you and try to articulate that in some way. Write that down uh, in, in the journal pages, okay? Um, we'd love for you to make sure that you, you fit that time in. If it hasn't been something you've been able to do yet, then please, this week, let's make that time available to God for Him to speak to you, all right? Um, if... if if all of this has brought any kind of confusion on you or, or any dis-ease for you, then Pastor Dave and I would love to talk to you about that and help you walk through reconciling that and, uh, and getting beyond that. We don't want something that we're asking you to do uh, to, to in some way confuse you or, or, or trouble you uh, uh, as you're going forward in your spiritual life. Um, as we said, there's several of you are reading uh, Foster's books on, on uh, d spiritual disciplines. Um, wonderful material. There's other materials out there. We can get you anything that, that can help you with, with this sort of thing. We'll do this again someday. Not right away. okay? Uh, but again, at, at some point, we'll do some of this stuff uh, as well. So I think it's a really great adventure for us as a church, and it certainly unified us in, in a lot of ways as well. So thank you for what you've done so far, stay with it. We've got one more week to go. Uh, get your synopsis written up as soon as you can. 
either drop that off or call us and let us come and grab that from you so that we can create the corporate synopsis of what we think God is saying to Life Church. And from there, we'll start our meeting on that Saturday the 24th. With that material that we feel that God has given us, that's where we'll start our meeting and we'll all work together. Uh, we've done this before, as we said. This is how the community garden came about. It came out of a meeting process uh, like this. So God can certainly uh, do that again. He can give us some other wonderful things to, to do. Okay? So, uh, that out of the way, let's look this morning at this passage in um, the book of Haggai. Um, this is actually a passage that one of uh, our covenant members uh, emailed to me um, this last week, uh, just getting before the Lord and asking the Lord what we would do after the state of the church address on Sunday. And we announced to you that we had um, you know, over $300,000 of gifts come in at the end of the year here for Life Church, uh, all from outside sources, not from within the congregation, feeling that very much God has something in store for Life Church to do uh, and, and needing even more to realize what that is and, and discern that. Um, someone emailed this particular passage to me, and it was, it was in my, my uh, plans. And I was thinking, wow, that, that is amazing that God would do that. And I, so I think God does have something to say to us out of Haggai this morning. So uh, for just a few minutes, I'd like to take you into that and just talk to you. And, and what I had intended to talk to you about from Haggai in, in sort of putting this in the middle of Nehemiah is priorities. That, that we look at developing the right priorities, you know, and um, I've, got a, I've got a sermon outline uh, that's, that's uh, the, the title of the sermon is God's Top Ten Priorities. You know, I hate those kind of sermons. The, the seven best things you can do, the top ten things that you need to do, the three things that will give you the greatest satisfaction, the five things that will give you victory, and that sort of stuff. I, I'm, I'm not really in, in, into those, but I... I put that sermon aside for myself. I wanted to look at these, these 10 priorities, and there's a lot of good priorities there. But I want to talk to you about the priority that I think God has for us, and especially that he is trying to speak to us in this time that we're in of 21 days of prayer and fasting, all right? So we, we want to look here, and we want to begin to think, what, what are priorities, and what do I need to think about priorities as it as it relates to my obedience to God? What is it that I need to set as, as a priority in my life, in my relationship with God? Or what are the things that I, I need to do? Um, and first of all, let me just tell you what a priority is. A priority is simply put, something of greatest importance. Something of greatest importance, all right? There are a lot of things in your life that are important, all right? So if you took your life and you divided it into things that are not so important to you and things that are important to you, you're going to have probably a good little list of things that are important. It's not going to be probably one thing. So then you're going to have to figure out and discern, well, which of these important things are the most important things? And, and how much time do I give to each of these things? All right? An another meaning of, of priority is uh, someone or something that is of utmost importance so something or an individual in your life right now can be the person or the thing that is most important and will determine some of your decision making or maybe all of your decision making it will determine some of your value system what you give to that particular thing or to that particular individual 
And those things can ebb and flow. They can move in and out of your life from time to time. All right? And then the third meaning of priority is the right of precedent. Meaning that, that there can be one item that will at times or always take precedent over other items. Some things are just at the top. They stay at the top. They don't ever move down. They don't ever shift. But they take precedent over everything else. I remember reading an article about John F. Kennedy uh, years ago when he first became president. And uh, you, some of you are old enough to remember, but there was the, the Cuban Missile Crisis in the time or the era of John F. Kennedy being president. And there, there are photographs of John F. Kennedy in the presidential office, in the Oval Office, with key leaders, and they are discussing things that are going on uh, in the world during this time of of crisis. So no doubt there were lots of conversations going on. Um, But there was a little boy playing under John F. Kennedy's desk, uh, uh, up underneath there, just playing with, with his little toy, which was obviously John Jr., okay, and, uh, and, and there was talk about this, you know, this little boy in the Oval Office, this little boy's ears hearing different kinds of things. Um, but President Kennedy said that this, this little boy has precedence. When he, when he needs me, I need to be there for him. And, uh, and this little boy was very powerful in that he had access to the Oval Office. And he could go into the Oval Office. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and you and I need to understand that God is looking for his place in our lives. Now, he already has it established in his own heart where his place should be. But he is looking for where his place is in our heart. And what level of precedence might he take? You know, when God is speaking to you, are you listening? When God is speaking to you, are you quieting everything else out? When He taps your shoulder. I, I, I talk a lot to people. And my children confronted me on that at one point in time and said, you never pay attention to us. You're always talking to someone else. You never pay attention to us. And we say, Daddy, you know, and you don't, you don't pay attention to us. And I've shared with some of you the story of one of my children saying, Daddy, 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 Pastor Bill. And I turned and answered him when he called me by the name Pastor Bill. Horrible indictment against me as his daddy. But... My children finally, we, we came to an agreement that, that when they came up next to me, if they needed to talk to me, and, and, and it, it was you know, somewhat important, then they would put their hand on my shoulder or on my arm, and they would not say anything. They wouldn't interrupt the other person because they didn't want them interrupting people. That would be rude. You know, but they would just put their hand on my shoulder. And for me, a sign to them that I got it, I know you're there, was to just tap the top of their hand and let them know, I, 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 I know, I'm aware. They know they're going to get talked to in a, in a moment, all right? But, but when God taps us, where do we put God? Where, does, where is God relegated when He is trying to speak into our lives, you know? Whether that's in some kind of really spiritual way, or, or I shouldn't say that's a spiritual way as opposed to some other way not being a spiritual way really but but whether it's like in in a a a time of prayer and communion with him or whether it's reading the word and just 
letting God speak through the word or, or someone else sharing their heart and we are hearing God speak to us. Many times I listen to someone else. I can listen to Pastor Dave when he's talking to someone else in the office. Since we share an office, a lot of times we're in there together with, with people. And I can listen to Pastor Dave talking to someone else and encouraging them or exhorting them. And all of a sudden, I realize that God is speaking to me. It's like, oh my, I needed to hear that today. You know? And I, I can, that can happen with some of you. And I, you know, going to the Tuesday night Bible study and sitting there, I can talk. In the Tuesday night Bible study, sometimes I have something to say. Um, sometimes I probably should just be quiet, you know, but I'm there and I'm engaging with people. But I hear other people talking in the Tuesday night Bible study, and it's like, I think that's for me. It's like I lose the sense of the corporateness of it, and it's like for a moment, it's like God just speaks. His voice just speaks to me. And I need to respond to that. I need to, I need to give God some precedence. You know, I need to let God be God there, all right? So what I'm saying to you is that, is that, that I, I want us to pray, especially in this, this next week here. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of, of um, quotes and, and scriptures on prayer um, in, in this next week uh, in your journal. But I want us to pray that God will help us, that God will help you and I to say no more often, which is a good and healthy thing for us to do. I remember one pastor saying, you should say no more often. No is a very anointed word. It is from God. All right, use it. Okay, uh, so we need, to, we need to be able to say no more often uh, so that we're able to say yes to the best things. All right, and our tendency is going to be, uh, well, for instance, you go to like Costco or Sam's Club, it's really hard to say no to some of that cool stuff in there, you know, and it's in large amounts, you know, and so it costs more, uh, even though it costs less, um, but if you got you got to figure that thing out, you know, um, you don't need 24 cans of tuna if you can only eat two, you know, you got you to think about how that's affecting, you know, your finances when you, when you do that. But I can go, I man, I can go in there and run up a bill like that, you know, pay a whole lot of money and have a whole lot of stuff. But, but do I need all that cool stuff? What did I go in there for? What was the priority? And can I say no to all these other things, yes to the priority, and then come out there way more efficient and way more profitable than when I went in? And can I do that with spiritual things, all right? Can I do that with my time? It's the same thing. We're too busy. We're so busy. And, and I think God gets crowded out. And I think this is one of the greatest problems of American Christians is we busy up ourselves. And we don't look at the value of that time in quiet and still before God. We get annoyed with that or we get anxious in the midst of that. It's amazing in how many church services you can say, well, let's all have a prayer time, but let's have a, a, a moment of silence before uh, we start to, to pray and then someone can just start praying. Someone's going to start praying really soon. There's not going to be very much silence because there's people there who just don't enjoy that. They don't feel good in that. And yet, I think God is oftentimes, much like in, in the Song of Solomon, crying to us, come away. Come away. Steal away with me. Let's, let's find that time away. You know, my wife and I are very busy people, both of us. We have both careers, if you want to put it that way, in a secular term. Um, and, and, and I'm notorious for busying up my life anyway. You know, even if I 
didn't have a lot of work in a day. I could busy the day up, you know. But the most precious times for us in this season of our life is just for the two of us to sit across the table from each other and have a little food and just chat a bit. And we like to go somewhere where no one's going to find us to do that. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to just, just be around everybody. We just want to be the two of us and just have that time. And you know what? I always, when we do that, even if we talk about difficult things, I always feel refreshed in that. There's, it energizes me in some way. And, and it's, it's special to me. And I was like, wow, that was good. That was, that was good. How many times have we left a prayer time and went, wow, I feel refreshed. I feel energized. That was good. That was good to have been with God. You know, oftentimes we go into prayer and we go in heavy and we go in burdened and we leave the same way that we came in. And so it doesn't feel as though that there's been a difference there, or, or an impact in some way. And, and so I, I want us to, 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 in this last week of this prayer and fasting, I want us to try to develop some quiet alone time with God. And if that's unfamiliar to you, just go into it, all right? Just play with it a little bit, you know, experiment with it a little bit. When you order food in a restaurant, some of us do this. I don't do it a lot. I'm not very good at sharing at all, especially food, um, and especially something I'm drinking. I just don't do that. Uh, but I see a lot of people doing that, especially in restaurants where entrees are pricey. But it would be, it would be wrong for you to, to agree to go into a restaurant with someone and say, hey, let's share a plate together. And, and you both decide on the, what you're going to eat and they bring the plate. And then you pull the plate to you and you eat what you want and you give the leftovers to the other person and say, okay, now you can eat. I don't think you would do that. There might be one of you in here that would do that. I don't know. <laughs> or two. But you wouldn't do it again, probably, with that person. All right? But, but, but that's, I'm afraid that's what we do with God a lot of times, is he sort of gets the leftover of our day. He gets the, the leftover of our energy. He gets the leftover of our strength. You know, he gets the leftover of our clarity, which a lot of times isn't a lot. And, and we, need, we need to turn this thing around because Haggai is not a book about fitting God in. Haggai, and by the way, Haggai is not a book about just building, going into a building program for a church. So that's not where I'm going with this sermon at all, okay? Haggai is a book about God will be first. This is not an option. This is not a choice. This is not something that by default it just happens that God will be last. No, God is going to be first. And that's what this whole book is about. Everyone has enough, honestly now, everyone has enough time and money to give and serve God. In America, you have enough time and money to give and serve God. It may not be a lot, but, but you can do it, all right? And those to whom much is given, much is required, all right? And that's the way God operates here, all right? But, but we're given time and money if we're working people uh, and and so we are able to give and serve God all right but you've got to decide because Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and follow him he doesn't say fill your bucket and then come follow me he he says deny the way to follow me is for you to deny yourself and what are our testimonies 
Oftentimes, our testimonies are, God has blessed my business. I've prospered. God has given us so much in this year. We're so richly rewarded this year. I do that. I got convicted over this this week. I sat here at a table with Pastor Dave and lured him right into it as well. And God blessed Life Church. Gave us a bundle of money at the end of the year. It's great. It's a great thing. But it's a great responsibility. It's honestly a burden. A good burden, but it's something that we're carrying now, Life Church. There's a different burden upon us today than there was two weeks ago. Because now we have resources to do some significant things for God as Life Church. And what must that look like? And we must figure that out. And you need to do that as well for yourself. If you are blessed, it isn't just about you being blessed. Because Jesus says, deny yourself. And follow me. Walk in my steps. Go in the way that I am going. And so Haggai rises up in this season of the history of Israel... And he begins to speak something that is not popular. In the beginning, the Bible says there was the Word. There was a time when there was only God. (laughs) No, No angels, no people. But He always was. That's why we call God I Am. The earth became a thought in His mind. And we were created. He didn't create us because he wanted to become a cosmic bellhop for his creation. He created us so that he might be our God. And that our lives could center around him and we could serve his purposes. And I think some of us have to reframe our thinking and our view of God here so that we are able to serve Him. Because we have this idea that as the American church, it is meant for us to be served. And it is meant for us to acquire much. I'm not saying you can't acquire much. I'm just saying if you do acquire much, then much is required of you. Let's keep it in the right perspective here. And let's understand that we all are called to make God first in our lives because God is already saying He is first. So back to verse 1. In in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel and to Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people, meaning His people, God's people, This is what they say. In other words, this is what's in their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. All right. So this is what is in their heart. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. In other words, we have a different priority. There's a precedent here, and, and we're setting it. And the precedent is not God's house. 
So now, now, Haggai is not about fitting God in, okay? He's saying here through this, this word that God has given him that God will be first. Everyone, as I said, you have enough, all right? But, but you've got you to gotta deny yourself, all right? So we, we, we walk around. <laughs> Man, do we walk around like everything revolves around us, you know? We, that's, that's the way we are in life and even in the church. Um, God has certain commandments. God has certain laws. People disobey. They rebel. Um, God grieves over this stuff. God grieved in, in the book of Genesis in chapter 6, and he sent a flood uh, to destroy the whole earth. You know, Noah and his descendants, they, uh, they are saved, and, and his family repopulates the earth. God promises he won't do that again. But in Genesis 11, uh, the wicked people build the Tower of Babel, and uh, they're going to go up and they are going to reach heaven and they are going to do this and it's going to be their, their work, you know. And, and, and today we, we make up some of our own religion, you know, just to please our, our own desires. And, and folks, those desires are evil. If they're, if they're counter to God, if they're contrary to truth, they are evil. But, but we want to be what we want to be. In the midst of all of this, then God comes along and chooses Abram changes his name to Abraham, and uh, at 100 years old, God makes him a promise, and he says, I- I'm going to have you have children. I'm, you're going to have kids. Um, and he says, I want the whole world to see this nation, Israel. That's what he's saying, really. You know, I want, I, Abraham, I, I want the world to see the nation of Israel and to, and to know the real God and to worship him. I'm going to populate the world, and I'm going to, I'm going to, your descendants are going to be uh, tremendous, because, because I, I, I want Israel to grow, I want, I want Israel to be a, 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 a sight, if you will, in, in the world. God's always wanted this, God's always wanted people to worship Him, God's always wanted to be the priority, and then Egypt enslaves them. And then he says, I'm going to demonstrate my love, my power, my might. I'm going to deliver Israel through my servant Moses. He says, I'm going to take you out of this land. They send spies later on into the land that God is planning to give to Israel. And the spies come back and say, oh, we can't do this. There's giants in this land. Well, we can't beat them. God says, don't you remember what I did in Egypt? Don't you remember the killing of the firstborn? Don't you remember the plagues, the darkness, the parting of the Red Sea? All these kinds of things. Any of that ring a bell to you at all? God says, I've got this whole generation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let them die. And I'm going to let the next generation go into the land with Joshua. But see, then the promised land just wasn't enough. Getting in there wasn't enough. The Israelites didn't want God as their king. They wanted a human king. He says, okay, you can have Saul. Uh, he's, he's tall. He's good looking. But he was a terrible king. It wasn't a good time. And then David comes on the scene. He's a better king. He's, he is a murderer. He commits adultery. But overall, he's a better king. And, and he loved God. And he was repentant, all right? But then David does stuff. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to have Solomon build the temple. And that's where I'm going to dwell. My, my glory is going to be in this place. I'm going to demonstrate my glory in the temple. Why? See, God wants to be God. 
And he wanted a place for himself. And so he required this this dwelling place to be constructed, if you will. But then Israel turns again from, from God and the kingdom's divided as we talked about when we talked about Nehemiah. And there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom kings were really bad news. And so Assyria overran in the early 700s B.C. And they carried everybody off to captivity, if you will. And the southern kingdom kings were a little better, uh, but they still turned away. And so then, then the Babylonians came, came in, roaring in and carried people off in, in, in the early 600 B.C. And, 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 and now the Persians take over. Uh, and King Cyrus allows Zerubbabel and Joshua, who is the priest at this time, to return to the promised land. And that's where Haggai rises up, if you will. And as a prophet, he comes in and, uh, and he says to these men, Zerubbabel and Joshua, I got a message for you. It's this message that comes in the second year of King Darius. And he says, the word of the Lord came through this prophet Haggai. It's time for you yourselves to be living in your... Pa- Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? See, they came back, but they didn't come back with the right precedent, the right priority. First, it was about me and my own comfort. And so I had to establish my own. I can't build the Lord a house until I build me a house. I mean, I got to have a place to live. It's all about me. And God's saying here, no, you need to understand, I'm, I am God. The fact that you put yourself first doesn't mean that I'm not God. It just means that you got out of precedent. <laughs> you, got, you got the wrong priorities. You got things out of line, if you will. All right? He, he, he goes on here. He says, now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, you think about what you've done. You think about what's, what you're doing and your decision making. How, how you are living here. I think any time that the Spirit of the Lord speaks and says, you look at your ways, something is wrong. Something needs to change, okay? He says, here's a problem. You've planted much. You've planted much, but you didn't harvest much. You harvested little. Worked hard, but didn't get much. You eat, but you never have enough. You're not starving. You're not at poverty level. But you never really have a full table. You drink, but you never have your fill. There's enough for you to get by, but you're still thirsty. You're thirsting. It's just not enough. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. They don't take care of you. You earn wages. And this is a crazy one. Only to put them in a purse with holes in it. In other words, your, your money's not doing what it needs to do. And you're not, you're not getting anywhere in this. You're not saving anything. All right? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And then he says, and gives them direction. This is what I want you to understand. When God speaks and he brings something clear, makes something clear to us, if we will listen long enough, he will generally have direction for us from that point on. So when you feel the conviction of God in your life, and he's talking to you about something, and he taps something in your life, 
you need to understand that if you'll wait long enough, all right, if you'll listen, he likely has a strategy for you to exit out of that place. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I, God, blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, their moisture, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountain, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. God is talking about this. He did not bless because the priorities were not right. And then Zerubbabel and Joshua and all the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. This, they obeyed this message of the prophet and the people feared the Lord. Feared the Lord. You see, they're back in the land. The temple's been destroyed. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Haggai is challenging them by saying, you're, you're going to build yourself fancy houses and you're going to leave God's house in ruins. It's a double standard a double standard. God doesn't want that for you and I. And as we enter into this new year and we begin with prayer and fasting, we started prayer and fasting in the old. We entered in in the spirit of prayer and fasting. All right, We entered in in the spirit of humility. And I want us to stay there. I want us to stay in that place of humility. I'm not saying you have to keep giving up and laying down everything and fasting all aspects of your life. I think a fasted life is a good life. But I do believe that as we go into this new year, God is requiring of us, asking of us as his church, that we would deny ourselves and follow him. And so you have to ask, what does that look like for you? Sometimes you hear Christians and they say things like, well, I just haven't gotten a clear call to serve God yet, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm in a waiting mode. You see him a year later. How's it going? What's, what, what's, what's God doing in your, in your heart? Well, you know, I'm, uh, I just haven't gotten a clear call from God, so I'm just in a waiting mode. I'm just, I'm just resting in God and waiting on Him. No. I'm going to tell you something. God has no one waiting for long periods of time unless they are at a roadblock in sin and deception, and He's trying to get them out of that place. The only reason you circle and circle and circle is because you haven't obeyed the last thing that God told you to do. And so you stay there until an act of obedience and oftentimes repentance moves you to the next level. The gap between creator and created being, it's like if I brought Tony up here and stood him here and there's a plastic doll that was sitting up here for a couple of Sundays. I'm not sure quite why I took it off the stage, but it was just comfortably snug up in that music stand there, uh, like a cabbage patch doll. And I put that over here. That's how, that's how far it is. We are, not cl- we are not like God, and we are not gods. 
And we can't treat ourselves like them. We can't worship our own world. We can't worship our own comfort, our own self, all right? We're the little guy, all right? That's how vast the difference is. So, so for us, following the Creator is the only option. That's the only thing that makes sense, folks, is that we are the followers. And that we follow the steps that God lays out for us. God speaks through Haggai. He says, you're looking out for yourselves. Come time to harvest, I created drought. You thought you would have money, I put holes in your purse. It's not the way it works. He says, now you go up, climb up the mountain. This is going to be hard for you, but climb up the mountain, chop down the trees, build my house. What's he saying? Your own selfish pursuits, you'll never have enough. You choose pleasure, it's not going to work. God will blow it away. He may not do it right away, but eventually. It'll, it just won't amount to anything, all right? If you're, if you're driving a car and uh, you're in control and you hear about Jesus and then you, you, you put him in your car and you just like put him in your trunk and you just take him out when you need something. You know, it's like, okay, I got a flat tire. You open your trunk and like, okay, you fix the flat tire. That ain't going to work. This never works. This, this I want you to give me what I want or do for me what I need you to do or just crisis manage my life and make it all better isn't the way it works. Or maybe you're better than that in the sense that you maybe let him sit in the passenger seat. You know, but you're still driving. You know, you, you got your hands on, on the wheel, so to speak. All right? And maybe you talk to him. All right? But you never consider giving him the keys to the car and say, okay, you drive. I just want to let you drive. I, I, want, I want to go with you. I want, I want to ride with you. And yet, that's the only thing that makes sense. He is God. We are not. By doing things the way we do them as humans and, and putting ourselves first and making our plans the precedent we're actually saying, I don't, I don't have enough sense about me to understand this thing because I'm thinking that I probably know better than God does. And folks, God is saying, I'm still going to be God. You may act like you're God. You may act like you are in charge or you are in control. You may be determined to buck against me and go after your own ways, but that does not change the fact that I am God. God says, just watch. And he did it. No rain, misery. Whether you want to accept him as Lord or not doesn't change the fact that he is Lord. And he will deal with our hearts. And if you think you have control over your destiny, look at this passage as Haggai is bringing it out and as he's trying to get Israel to see here. It got to the place where as they saw the, the, the prophetic word in their in their heart and in their their mind that they began to yield and there they said yes let's let's do what God is telling us to do it says and they feared the Lord and this is where we need to be Haggai the Lord's messenger gave this message from the Lord to the people 
And then the Lord says, I am with you. I am with you. They finally heard the message. They obeyed because they feared the Lord. We're so good, so good at talking about God without fearing Him. I hear some of the things that people say sometimes, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. What? God, please be merciful. <laughs> be merciful here. Don't, don't do what I think you ought to do. <laughs> be merciful. God is not honored with good intentions. God is honored with obedience that puts Him first. And so I want to challenge you and I that we live out of this passage. Again, I didn't preach this to, to you today or choose this because I want to go into a building program because we got some money. I firsthand understand from other pastors the tremendous challenges of a church going into a building program. If God told us to build, which I think He will eventually here, He's going to tell us to build, we're going to have to expand because we're going to grow. God's doing some stuff and we're going to grow. So we're going to have to expand this building to meet the needs of this neighborhood and this city and beyond. And that's going to require us doing the things that are necessary to do that. Okay, So that is a part of the process here. But that's, that is not what I'm after, and I hope it's not what you're after. But I hope that you and I are going to start this year out understanding that we are making God the priority over everything else. We want to reach this neighborhood. We want to impact this city. We want to be global, and we want to be very intentional about that global ministry. We want to impact orphanages. We want to have an impact and an effect on slave trafficking, sex trafficking, those kinds of things. There's, there's a number of things that we want to have our hands in. And we have our hands in a lot of things now. But I'm asking you to go before God and ask Him for His priorities. I'm asking that we do that together as God's people, that we fear the Lord. Because here's what I want more than anything else as we enter this new year for every one of you. And that is that you know with confidence that just like Israel in this day, when they turned their hearts and they began to obey and they feared God, God said, I am with you. I am with you. And that's what I want for you and I. All right, that God is with us. Let me talk to you for just a minute, folks. You can know about God. And you can know that God is here. But unless you have made Christ your Lord, you cannot know Him and know Him with you. Maybe it's been a hard year and maybe you feel quite distant from God. And maybe you just need to say, you know what, God, I want to I I just start fresh in this new year. That would be great. If you'd do that today, that would be awesome. Just to say, you know what, I'm marking my calendar. Today is my day. But maybe you've never understood the benefits of serving Jesus.
Maybe you've never walked in the forgiveness of sin. See, this is why God needs to be God, because God gave everything for you. And he made the way for your sins to be forgiven and for you to have a wonderful, fresh start. If you've never done that, we would love for you to do that today, that you would receive Christ and you would have that wonderful, fresh start today with the forgiveness of your sins going forward from there. We would love to walk with you as you grow and mature in that. But either way, today is a day of decision. And so we want to be with you in that. Our uh, prayer team are going to come up and they're going to pray with you. If you want prayer, they'll be here to pray. If you want to make this decision today, please come. If you've been away and you know that you need to, you need to kind of jumpstart this thing today and let God come back to being God, then do that, please. Do that. Someone will pray with you if you need them to. So if our team will come forward, I'd like for everyone, everyone in the room, if you will, if you can, bow your head for a moment. There's just something really sweet about a fresh start sometimes. And if you need that, I want that to be available to you today. So I'm going to just pray for you, and then if you want to come and have someone pray with you, please do so. Maybe you have a spouse or a friend there in the, in the row with you and the two of you just want to agree and pray together, pray for each other. That's good too. But let's not miss the opportunity for what God is wanting to do in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and speak to each of our hearts just as you spoke in the day of Haggai. Would you speak a a truly profound and prophetic word by the Spirit into each of our hearts today. Show us where we are. Forgive us that we haven't made you the priority, that we haven't set you as the precedent above all else. Help us today to restart that relationship. Lord, bless those who are here today. With, without you, bless them with a revelation of you that they may be able to come to you and receive forgiveness and walk in this newness of life and you will be God. Give us a fresh start to this new year. Let us just come out of the chute running. Let us not slow down, Father. Let us do all that we can to serve you in this year, 2015 and beyond. Show us the way. Give us direction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.